Welcome to another Ask Scanner School session. This is a podcast where you submit your questions to me and I answer them. Well, most of them are radio related. Some of them aren't, but we're going to keep it radio related today and answer a few questions. Now, these all came in from our voicemail number at 516-308-2885, which means all of the questions that we play back for you today are in the running for a free one-hour tutoring session, which we'll give away at the end of this podcast episode. So again, if you want to have an opportunity to win a free tutoring session, you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask, fill out the, uh, or press the speak pipe button, or dial 516-308-2885. If you're mic shy, that's fine. You can still ask me your question by filling out the form over at scannerschool.com slash ask. So how you doing? My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and of course, I am the host here at Scanner School, and I obviously love the Scanner Radio hobby so much that I've created this podcast for you guys. And the goal of Scanner School is to pass a little bit of the Scanner Radio knowledge that I've accumulated through my lifetime and pass that on to you or help you out with the Scanner Radio hobby because the purpose here is to help as many people as we can with the hobby. And I've been scanning since about the time that I could crawl. Not directly, but my father and my grandfather have always had a scanner radio on. So I grew up around scanner radios, and I had plenty of resources to ask my questions to. So I'm here right now, this week, the first Tuesday of the month, to answer your questions. And this is something we do on the first Tuesday of every month here on Scanner School. So without any other delays here, let's get on to our very first question, which comes in from Chuck. Chuck, go ahead. The floor is yours. Hello, Phil. My name is Chuck. What I would like to know is I'm considering buying a Uniden SDS-100. Respectfully would like to hear what you think about it and then go from there. And if that's not the best radio out there, what radio is? Chuck, how you doing? Thank you so much for asking your question here. Now, the SDS-100. Yeah, I've had my SDS-100 for a couple of years now. In fact, I was one of the first ones to uh, receive their Uniden SDS-100. And I have a very, very low model serial number. There's a lot of different things here that we can talk about when it comes to the SDS-100, such as the color display, the battery, the antenna connection, the cold solder joint issue is a lot here. So let's go ahead and unpack a quick review on the SDS-100. And uh, something that we'll start with is the cold solder joint issue. So there is an issue with some of these scanners. And of course, Uniden's response is, is, well, we don't know if it's fixed yet because any radio that's new or repaired hasn't been out in the wild long enough to know if this issue has been resolved. And what ends up basically happening with these radios is the fact that you get a cold solder joint is is the complaint. And what that means is you have a faulty connection inside the radio, which basically 
disconnects the antenna, right? It, I don't know if it shorts it out or if it breaks the connection, but a cold solder joint is a weak solder joint. And what ends up happening is I believe the RSI, RSSI level either skyrockets or it dips to minus 9.99, one or the other, and uh, you don't receive anything at all, right? So it's, it's, it's a bad sign. Now, if you got under warranty, that's great. You can get it fixed. If you're outside of warranty, yeah, you'll have to send it in to be repaired. Another issue, though, that you didn't has fixed on the SDS-100 is the short battery life issue. Now, with the original SDS-100, they send a small battery pack. And the small battery pack was nice because it kept the battery flush with the back of the scanner. Now the scanner looks like it's got a beer belly on the back of it or something like that. It's, it's got a really big battery pack on there. So the reason why they put the bigger battery pack on the back is because the scanners weren't lasting any more than a couple hours. Very, very short time frame on these scanners. So in order to fix that, Udidin increased the capacity or the milliamp hours of the battery, which means that it needed to have a fatter battery. And it's also one of the reasons why we don't see a double A battery pack for this scanner because we need the lithium ion battery, we need the higher milliamp hour storage on that battery in order for the scanner to last as long as you would expect it to. Now, there is a problem with these batteries that after a while they will start to inflate. They get that pillowing that we see with a lot of lithium ion batteries. So, what I would recommend doing is maybe with six months or a year or so, open up the battery door and see or double check that your battery isn't starting to pillow out. Because if it is and you don't catch it, you'll actually break the, the latch at the bottom of the scanner, which again is another point of the scanner that has been a shortfall, shortcoming. Let's put it that way. It's been a shortcoming on the scanner where that little flip-up connector happens to break whether or not it breaks because the battery basically gets too big for it and it just is a weak point or when you open it up it could break it's a small little pin in there so again that's something else to look out for and another negative while we're just on this negative nancy train here is the fact that the top of the scanner it actually comes up and and uh engulfs i guess you could say the antenna connector it's recessed into it and part of this is because they copy the hardware design from a marine radio, and it's watertight. And the stock antenna that comes with it kind of sits inside of this this lip or this this I don't know volcano, I guess you could say, that's on top of the scanner. Now for the stock antenna, that's great. Remtronics makes an aftermarket antenna that you can put on the, on this radio, and it sits into it. Right. There's also a SMA to BNC adapter that comes with the scanner, but I don't really like that one too much because I feel like it puts too much tension on that SMA connector, and I really don't like that. I have seen some aftermarket SMA to BNC connectors that sit flush with the top of the scanner. Those are something I would look for. But if you're trying to put a standard aftermarket antenna on top of this scanner, it doesn't work. It does not work. You can't put, a, say, a diamond or uh, MFJ or any other kind of antenna that's an SMA on top of this scanner without having an adapter on it. Be and it's because of the way that the the mushroom is or the volcano or whatever it is you want to call it on top of the scanner that kind of sits those threads in a little too, too deep inside the scanner. And while we're at it, let's let's add one more negative to my review here just so we can get into the positives on, a, on an end on a positive note. The, the scanner uses an SDR 
to receive. So it doesn't go through any of the triple, what do you call it, the IFs or anything like that, right? It's, it's not an old style scanner where the RF comes in, it gets sampled, it gets passed to two IFs, and then it's processed and whatnot. It goes through a software-defined radio. And what could happen is when signal strengths are too strong, you could overload the front end on it. So what ended up happening is Unidin released filters for the scanner. And of course, there's software-based filters. One's a wide, one's a narrow, one's an inverse. But there's no real hard definition as to what any of these are. And I've gone through the definition of these in the past, but really what it comes down to is you don't have to worry about a definition here. What you have to worry about is if you have a problem receiving anything, and only if you have a problem receiving something, you should take a look at your filter settings. And you have to go through each filter setting to find one that works. And it's location dependent as to what's going to work with you. In other words, you can't say, hey, what filter settings are you using in your SDS-100? Because what works for me may not work for you. For example, I live about a 10-minute drive from somebody that I know is into scanning. And they have an SDS-100, and they have a problem because the local fire department here recently changed their transmitter location to be closer to this guy's location. Now, I don't have a problem receiving them because they're far enough away from me. But because the transmitter location is now closer to his home, his SDS-100 was no longer picking up the repeater. Head scratcher, right? And I kept saying, check your filters, check your filters. Uh, He was checking his CTCSS and PL settings, and he was checking his modulation and all these other things. When he finally went through and changed his filter settings, boom, on that one frequency, everything came in just fine. Okay, so as I'm saying, filters are very dependent. Okay, let's exit this on a positive note. The SDS-100 is hands down, or next to the SDS-200, the only two scanners that will work in a simulcast environment. So if you have P25 simulcast, you're going to want to have an SDS-100 or SDS-200. I've tried TRX-1s, BCD-325s, and even 436s in a simulcast world. You'll miss transmissions. You'll miss most of the transmissions. You may miss some transmissions. With the SDS-100, you're pretty much going to get every transmission that you can get off of that trunk system. Now, the problem gets multiplied. What I have found out is if you have a Phase 2 talk group or a TDMA talk group, okay? So if you have a P25 trunk system that you want to monitor and it's simulcast, you'll know it's simulcast because hopefully in radio reference, the site name has simulcast after it. Okay, that's usually an indicator right there. <laughs> uh, if if if, it, if a DB admin did the job rightly, they would write they would they would write simulcast in the name. That's usually what I do when I when I de- define a site. Another way to find out is if you actually click on the call sign and look in real reference to see how many transmitters there are on that frequency. But you're gonna want to look at that. The color display is awesome. The ability to bring in from the, the Home Patrol database is excellent. The amount of information you get on that display with the extended display or the detailed display, phenomenal. The connectivity with with the network connector on the SDS-200 is great. GPS, perfect on both units. Other than what I've complained about, and I know we started this with a lot of complaints, some of them you can look past, right? Some of them are very easy to look past. The batteries, as long as you stay on top of it, you can look past the batteries. The cold solder joint may or may not be a problem for you. All in all, I really do enjoy using my SDS-100. 
However, I don't really take it out of the house because, again, it's a $650 radio. I don't want a chance breaking it or something happening to it or losing it, right? I don't really bang that radio around too much. It sits on my desk for most of the time. I love the radio. I love the fact that you can change the background colors. You can change it to be uh, high contrast, low contrast. Uh, you can change the colors to be anything you want to look like. You want to go red, white, and blue. You want to go blue, white, and red. You want to go green, yellow, and orange. You can change the colors. You can change pretty much anything you want on there. You can put in radio IDs, unit IDs, right? Same thing, but you can show them on the display. There's a lot of stuff that we can do here. We can go through and do logical channel numbering finder. You can go in and you can log, record. There's a lot of things in this radio you can do. It's it's worth the money, I would say, especially if you have a simulcast environment. If you don't have a simulcast environment, if you only have analog only, it's an overkill. It's a total overkill for what you might need. So to answer your question, the best way that I can answer it, I would need to know exactly where you were so that I can go through your setup or your or your trunk systems and everything that's where you live. But not knowing that information. So my disclaimer here is just what I said. If all you have is conventional, if all you have is old analog Motorola trunking or EDAX or LTR, save your money and buy something else. But if you have a simulcast P25 system, whether it be phase one or phase two, Hands down, SDS-100, SDS-200. I wouldn't even hesitate to recommend that you get one of those. Even with all the negatives I've said, we could work around just about all the negatives that we have on this radio. Love the radio. I think it's worth the money. If you're looking to buy one, you can actually use a link that we have. We'll put it in the session notes down below or in, in the uh, usually the session notes have it if, if it's not in the podcast we'll be over at scannerschool.com slash session 276 you can go to scannerschool.com slash scanner master that's our affiliate with scanner master and uh, we'll also see if we can find a link for you for Amazon if you prefer to buy from Amazon great radio highly recommend it and Chuck thank you so much for asking your question and again hang on because we're going to find out at the end of this podcast, if you had won a free tutoring session. All right. So being that we're a little bit, I guess, long-winded on our reply and our review of the SDS-100, let's take a quick break right here. As a reminder, anybody who is a $3 or more Patreon supporter doesn't get this upcoming break. You can help support the podcast by going to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. We have almost 70 people supporting the podcast at this time. I'd love to have you on board as a supporter as well. Scannerschool.com slash Patreon. We'll be right back. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or ScannerMaster, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? 
Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. Okay, our next question comes in from Ed. Ed, go ahead with your question. Good afternoon, Phil. My name is Ed. I'm looking for a desktop scanner. I'm in the Athens, Alabama area. Predominantly, I'll be listening to police and fire. I need your recommendation, if you would, please, along with a antenna, appropriate attachments or whatever that comes with it. My house has a, a foil wrap insulation underneath the siding, and we cannot receive anything within the house, any, any type of uh, scanner or FM radio or anything. So your guidance uh, would greatly be appreciated. I think... There's a trunk system in Athens, Alabama, but I'm not sure about that. Your guidance, I greatly appreciate it. Look forward to your response. Bye-bye. All right, Ed, let me just start off by saying I completely sympathize with you with your foil wrap insulation. My parents' house had the exact same thing, and you're right. It, it kills everything. It's almost like being in a Faraday cage, right? It's just... Anything coming in the house as far as RF-wise is, is really cut down. And like I said, I just I feel for you. So you're right, though. Having an outdoor antenna would probably be best for you. Now, let's start with that first and work our way down the coax line and into the scanner radio. So I always recommend the Diamond D130NJ. Again, you can take a look at that by going to scannerschool.com slash d 130 J. That's Delta 130 November Juliet. That will redirect you over to where you can purchase that antenna. Now, it's a standard discount antenna, which means it basically will receive from about 10 meters all the way up through a gig. And it works very well on the amateur radio bands. You can actually transmit through it. And you can also receive mill air, uh, the aviation band. It's kind of a do-all antenna. Now, being that it's a do-all antenna, there's no gain on the antenna. So there's not going to be any type of improvement on your signal like as if there was like a amateur radio antenna or something like that, that it was tuned specifically for VHF or UHF. The good thing, though, about this antenna is it does get your receiving antenna, right, your ears, out of the house 
and onto higher ground. So if you mounted it to the eave of your roof, you mounted it to your chimney, or even if you mounted it inside your attic, that would get you off or away from the foil-lined installation because now you're going through just your attic. And hopefully, your attic is just asphalt shingles and nothing else up there that would impede anything, like no tin roof. Okay, so with that said, let's talk about coax. Look, I always advocate for LMR 400, but I know LMR 400 could be a little bit pricey for some people. It's about a buck a foot. So depending on how long your line is or how long your run is, this could be very expensive. But LMR 400 is something we recommend because the losses on LMR 400, especially the higher you go in frequency, are as good as you can get. It is 50 ohm coax, which means you can transmit through it, and it will match your antenna and also your receiver. Now, if you want to cheap out a little bit on this one, you could go with RG6. Again, you could pick this up at any home improvement center, basically, but it's 75-ohm cable and wouldn't recommend transmitting through it. Again, not the best thing out there, but it's a good it's a good compromise, so to speak. I run RG6 here to one of my antennas. In fact, my discount antenna that's in my attic has RG6 attached to it because it was cheap. I had spools of it here. The connectors crimp right on. They're BNC connectors. Again, you can look and get those at any of the uh, online CCTV distributors or stores or Amazon or something like that. Even the tools are easy to grab. So, like I said, it's something to get you up and out there above your roof line or even in your attic that'll help you out there. Now, what about Athens, Alabama? So I'm looking at radio reference right now in Limestone County, and I think that you could not ask for a better situation here. You're conventional, VHF and UHF. Limestone County has got sheriff dispatch on UHF, your emergency management, your EMS, rescue squads. They're all on VHF. Really can't beat this, right? Your volunteer fire department is up on UHF. They're all analog, FM narrow. Really, really, I mean, you can't ask for a better situation here. And I go to Athens, and I'm still seeing police dispatch, non-encrypted, UHF, 460.05. Fire dispatch, 154.34. Perfect. Now, there's no reference whatsoever to any Athens or Limestone County trunk system. However, when I did look into a trunk system for Limestone County, the Alabama Interoperable Radio Systems or the AIRS system does pop up. There are no sites, though, in Limestone County. You've got Baldwin, Blount, Chilton, Con. Conech, I don't know how to say that one, C-O-N-E-C-U-H. You've got Dale, Escambia, Etowah, Houston, Jefferson, Lee, Madison, Marshall, Mobile, Monroe, Montgomery, Morgan, Pike, Russell, Shelby, St. Clair, Talladega, Tuscaloosa, and Washington counties. So those are all of the transmitter counties that are out there. So maybe one of those is close to you that you might be able to monitor and listen to. Now, this is a P25 system, and it may have 
some simulcast in here. I'm looking at some stuff here that does say like Talladega County is simulcast. And I'm looking at the talk groups. I've got one phase two talk group. Most of these are all just phase, phase one. Baldwin County, though, when you go to that, is is phase two. Baldwin County, let's see, lots of Baldwin County in here. Holy moly. Blount, Chilton, Dale. Right? There, there is definitely some stuff in here. But again, it's not where you're looking in Limestone. So if you want to listen to this AIRS system, you would need a phase two simulcast capable scanner. And you asked me for a desktop, and the only thing I could recommend in this would be a SDS 200. But... If you don't want to listen to this airs system, because all you say is police and fire, then you have anything you want to listen to can or a buy could work. Now again, you're going to get the state of Alabama and system wide interoperability on this airs system. So you're going to get the Huntsville WeatherNet. You'll get Alabama Emergency Management Agency. You'll get the Alabama Law Enforcement Mutual Aid, the Hospital Emergency Administration radio system, as well as all the statewide tactical and calling and even some aircom dispatch. So that alone may make it worthwhile to you to think about a phase two simulcast ready scanner. But if one of the counties I listed before aren't near you, then you won't be able to pick up the system anyway. So let's leave this one at the door right now, right? You know what you need for this one. But what about listening in Athens. Well, we just talked about that. That was FM analog only. Desktop scanners, what could you get? You can get a Whistler 1025, about 100 bucks. You could get a Uniden, was it the BC 365 CRS? I like that radio, and I'm going to recommend that one for you only because you can put it into weather alert standby mode, and um, looking at as I'm recording this, and hopefully you weren't in the path of the tornadoes that went through this weekend as I'm recording this in the last weekend of March, but that radio can double as a weather alert radio. Stepping up from there, you could look at the, and in fact, those first two radios I just talked about, the Whistler 1025 and the uh, 365 CRS, those are very easy to program radios. That's the old just enter in the frequency and store it into memory type of scanners. Very simple, very easy to set up. Also, probably your your early or your cheapest entry point into this. Beyond that is a BCT15X. That'll get you some Motorola, EDAX, and LTR trunking. Probably an overkill for what you're looking for for Athens. The BCD996P2, again, could be an overkill, but it might work out well for you for the AIRS system if you can get into an area that's not being bothered by simulcast. Ditto for the TRX-2. Really nice radio, but again, maybe an overkill because I don't see DMR being a, an issue where you are. There's there's basically a smart radio DMR system that's got some, some business bands on it. You have the Limestone Correctional Facility. So if that's something you want to listen to, then definitely the TRX-2 would, would help you out on that one. But really... The SDS-1-200 uh, might just be an overkill for you unless you were going to have an issue with this air system again and the simulcast. So what's my recommendation for you? Either the Whistler WS-1025 or the 365 CRS by Uniden. In fact, I've got one of those here that I'm getting ready to do a review on. And again, it's a clock radio. The CRS in that model number stands for clock radio scanner. So you can use it to listen to FM, AM, analog scanning for public safety, 
and use it as a weather alert standby radio. That's my recommendation for you for now. So again, if you can get that antenna outside, you're perfect on that scanner radio. Again, it's the Udenin BC three sixty five CRS would be my recommendation for you. You're lucky. There's no trunking really for you to worry about unless, again, you want to try to get into that Alabama interoperable radio system. Would love to know what it is you settle on as far as a scanner. And again, Ed, I want to thank you so much for asking your question. And stand by because uh, somebody is going to win a free tutoring session pretty soon. All right, let's get on to our final question for this month. And this one comes in from James. James, go ahead with your question. Hey, Phil. I hope you're doing fine. This is James down in northwest Florida. Hope I don't lose you on the signal. Quick question on my SDSs. I have the display setting on detailed mode. I understand that RSSI means and the more negative DPM, the better. But what's the correlation between RISI and the signal bar strength, or is there any, or does is it that important? I appreciate your line, and I appreciate all what you do for us. Thank you. Hey, James, good to hear you again. Hope everything is well with you, and again, thank you very much for your support. So, RSSI, this is, uh, like, I forget the exact acronym for this one, but I know it stands for a Relative Signal Strength Indicator. I think is what it stands for. Did I just say I know I think it stands for that? Anyway, it's I believe it stands for Relative Signal Strength Indicator. And it's one of these numbers, it's a calculated number, that basically tells you how strong that signal is. And it's, um, it, it's one of these weird calculated numbers. And the closer to zero you are, the stronger the signal. It's a minus number because it's reading the loss, right? So a minus 50 is better than a minus 100, okay? So the closer to zero that that RSSI level is, the stronger your signal. And of course, the closer to zero, the closer to the transmitter location that you really should be. Now, I'm familiar with RSSI because we use this in the cell phone world where I work on my 9 to 5 job, and that allows us to know how strong the signal is that we are receiving from our cell site. And we look at RSSIs when we're doing walk tests or drive tests or anything like that. It's one of the values that we we, we had been looking at until we went into uh, 4G and 5G. We look at something different. But RSSI is something that you can see on the advanced signal strength or the advanced menus, the advanced display on the SDS-100 and the SDS-200. Now, just like a cell phone, and part of your question is, how does that relate to my signal strength? So the end operator can really dictate how many bars a particular signal set or RSSI level can be. So let's go this way. There was a big name cell phone manufacturer that could have fudged some numbers so that a minus 90, hypothetically speaking here, could have been a full signal set, full signal bar, right, on their cell phone. And then a minus 100 could have been four bars and minus 105 could have been three bars, minus 110 could have been two bars. 
And then minus 112 could have been one bar. And of course, minus 115, where there's no signal left, could have been no bars, right? But another manufacturer might have said, well, anything stronger than a minus 85 is five bars. And minus 90 is four bars. And minus 95 is three bars, right? You get what I'm saying here? So one manufacturer could have made it look like that their phone was receiving better just based off how they calculated the RSSIs and the signal strength on their display. So with that said, there may not be any type of definition in the scanner radio world because there's no real defined protocol, right, where you've got the 3G alliance or 3GPP, I believe is what it's called, where you actually have a specification on how things are supposed to work in the network. When it comes to scanning, right, manufacturers can basically release what they want to release. There's no oversight. There's no guidance. There's no, right, there's, there's nothing that's overpowering that says, hey, Scanner and Whistler and ICOM and Yesu and Linko and who else makes receivers, right? AOR. This is how you have to configure your signal strength. Absolutely not. So there's no real answer for this one. What you can do is look at the signal strength on your scanner and see what the RSSI level is. And you can start to correlate that information yourself. But when you start looking to at trunk radio systems, you're going to also see there's an error or a bit error in there, right? And that also, the RSSI and the bit error can also influence your signal strength. Because if you've got great signal, but it's full of errors, then I would believe that that would lower the signal strength indicator on the scanner radio to show that it's not receiving that well, right? Because it's, it's just chock full of errors. So again, this is one of those, um, those interesting questions that really doesn't have a definite answer on it. In theory, yeah, you would think that every scanner radio out there would follow suit. Maybe every unit in radio files suit, but this might be something too that has some fudgeability to it, and that's really all that comes to it. So you'll have to basically look at your scanner and, and kind of figure out, okay, at minus 85, you still have four bars. At minus 90, I've got three bars or something like that. But you'll figure, you'll put the correlation together on that one. But that's a very interesting question. So it is relative signal strength indicator, or yes, I believe it is. The closer to the site with no bit error, the stronger it should show up on your scanner radio. But it's a good indicator, right? It's the true indicator on your radio that tells you what that is. Now, when you look at software like ProScan or Butel software, it'll actually tell you in the logs what the RSSI level is. But it's a different number. It's not a minus number. It's actually a positive number. And then you have to figure out what that number correlates to when it comes to the minus number because they're different. And why this is different? Because if you saw the raw output of the scanner, that's the number that the software is seeing. It's seeing the positive number. It's seeing a reference number based on what the real number is that is off the scanner. So if you're looking at Butel or ProScan or anything else that's pulling the RSSI off the scanner and showing you the raw data on that one, yeah, it's not going to help you. It's just going to confuse you. And I'm still trying to figure out what those values correlate to. <laughs> so good luck to you, James. Thank you so much for asking your questions. Good to hear your voice again. And I'm sure you and I will talk soon. Okay, so with that, we've got a nice, decent-sized podcast episode to start the month of April. 
month of April. Can't believe we're into this month already. It's it's my birthday month too, by the way. So we'll be celebrating in a couple of weeks here. And uh, we'll also keep you up to date as what's happening here with the cancer recovery and everything else like that. So yeah, well, April should be a very interesting month. Let's put it that way. But moving on to why you guys are still listening here, because we got to pick a name. We got to find out who's going to win the tutoring session for this month. As a reminder, if you want to put your name in, pick up the phone at the end of this podcast, 516-308-2885. That's a local number here for the U.S. If you are international, you can always go to scannerschool.com slash ask. Click on the speak pipe link. That's our easiest way to do it for anybody who doesn't want to pick up a phone or is international. You sway it's a VoIP thing. You just basically press the button, you use your microphone, and it leaves me a voicemail on SpeakPipe. But if you're mic shy, scannerschool.com slash ask, or you just email me, phil at scannerschool.com. We've got a lot of questions in the queue on the email. So really the fastest way to get a response at this point right now would definitely be a voicemail. All right, let's do this. we got three names, one, two, and three. We've got Chuck, Ed, and James in that order, one, two, and three. And we're going to bring up the Google random number generator here. And I'm going to put the range from one, two, and three in here. We're going to hit refresh five times and the winner will be the fifth drawn person here. This way we know we got our good reset and everything else like that. Okay, so let's go ahead and do it. One, two, three, four, five. Alrighty then, we got Ed, number two. You are a winner for the week. Ed, reach out to me and I will send you a a coupon code that you can use when you book me over at scannerschool.com slash tutoring. And again, I want to thank Ed, I want to thank Chuck, and I want to thank James for asking your questions. And we've got more questions that are in the queue for next month. But again, I want to invite you to leave me a message for the following month. 516-308-2885. Everybody else, thank you so much for being there. Check your emails. Check us out on social media because we may be back answering your questions live on YouTube this month. Had to take two months off for recovery, but uh, we'll see what this month brings. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrack, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Ross, Bob Middleton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Danielle Cavallella, David Dombrowski, David Pasco, David C., David Kuzneski, Danny Crotty, Dylan Hyder, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Davos, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, I Hate Junkmail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, Jake Jacobson, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jeff Waldrop, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Cordov, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Derby, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Luke Hartnett, Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Pilts, Nicholas Stanger, Paul Bowling, Paul Teal, Randy Young, Raven Hill, Rich Palmari, Ronnie Box, Scott Lefgrand, Terry Wright, Thomas Jampino, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.